Because it is time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting officially way easier from outside the cage, but with a revelation. Raph, I was at Fight to Win yesterday. I just stopped by the grappling tournament for a few hours to try and expose my unborn child as early as possible. <laughs> and I was moved at the diversity, the youth, and the amount of women doing jiu-jitsu, which will be an important subject as we transition youth, women, the diversity, the changes, but just the amount of effing people doing jujitsu. It always grows. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you beforehand? Are you getting arrested? Is that somebody else's background? I can hear some cops. I think we're okay. That's how you can tell our guest today is on the East Coast. Because oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that yep. is an East Coast feel. My bad. Believe me, if I'm being arrested, it is going to happen very loudly and very Hispanically. So I will make sure you all know that. Here's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> We're blessed today because we have a great guest. And I dropped a mention of this a couple weeks ago. Many of you who listen to us, you know that we had friend of our show, Avery Clements, who is coming on to talk about a little bit of the sexual assault cases that have happened. And more importantly, it was an important message that... I looked around and I honestly asked other people to send us other examples of shows that are talking about this, that are trying to communicate it in more than just a, this is wrong fashion. Because I think a lot of us believe, yeah, this isn't great. We shouldn't uh, condone this sort of a thing. And I mentioned in that interview, there was one person who, when she mentioned so many of her ideas, I just sat there and I thought, wow, this is presented in a wonderful way. This is presented in a very unique fashion and it has been gaining traction. And most importantly, the communication of this message was done through Instagram reels. So it's one of the first cases of just like, hey, I just want to talk to you real quick about some ideas. And it was presented in such a quick way. So I wanted to talk about the ideas that she presented in that. And I also want to talk about a little bit about her background and what's making her so great. But without any further ado, let's bring on somebody who I feel has a great message and I cannot wait to hear more about it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show for the very first time, one, Meg He. Meg, how are you doing? I'm incredibly well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry I'm not, not getting rested at the moment, although I feel like that's almost um, a little bit like opportunity for a grappling podcast. So I'll let you know. <laughs> it's okay. Honestly, there's nothing better than us combining genres so that we could also be a true time <laughs> uh, podcast at the exact same moment. It's been, you know, it would do better in the uh, iTunes rankings, which would get the message out there. Meg, I have to say, thank you so much for not only coming on the show, but for talking about the issues that I know are very difficult to talk about within the sport. What made you, want to put together some of those Instagram reels? Yeah, so um, I don't think I've ever really done an Instagram reel before, especially not on myself. Um, But I actually, you know, especially having read about the fight sports incidents um, for a few days, and we were actually training at the pro training of Fight Sports Miami um, when this was all coming out, maybe like the day before it got public um, on the Motar uh, Truth, BJJ Truth account. 
uh, I woke up one day and I think it was at 6 a.m. And it just occurred to me the whole like sheer absurdity of the whole situation, which is that we all love this community and this industry, but that has almost like zero standards of safety and regulation and frankly wouldn't be something that we would tolerate in any other industry. Um, and there's a number of different dynamics in it, but one of the things I kept on thinking about was how hard it was for professional athletes to make money in jujitsu. And as a result, a lot of people turn to opening a gym to make money, but they don't really know anything about running a business and they don't know anything about accountability. Um, and they're very good at jujitsu and at teaching jujitsu but that really has nothing to do with, you know, protecting the safety of the students, of the community. And so I decided to just write up some things. And initially my first post was just on um, Instagram notes. Uh, I just put out some text out there. I was like, hey, you know, here's three things that we could change. And I very much wanted to focus on what could we change rather than like, oh, these things are crap, like things are awful, sexual violence is bad. Because I think that there's a lot of hope for the community. And in particular, you know, what you were talking about at like the fight to win, right? Like the dynamics in this industry are really, really changing. There's a lot more women now than ever before. There's a lot more kids than ever before. And as a result, the power dynamic, which very much used to be balanced, you know, very, very much towards men, it's really changing a lot now. And as a result, I think that's paving the, you know, movement forward for women to be able to speak up about these things, which has never happened before. And I think especially with everything that happened at Fight Sports with Mo coming out and pushing all that truth this is really like a huge moment for that catalyst to happen and i just woke up one day feeling excited about this and you know saying like hey i think that there's a bunch of ideas that i want to put out there um and that got a lot of traction so i ended up making a bunch of reels uh, also with my friend emma johnson who's a female black belt and co-owns her own gym in colorado springs um and people have been finding it really helpful like i went to an ibjjf tournament um last weekend and people came up to me and were like hey we saw your reels and this is really helpful it's a part of my gym i've never thought about before i just thought it was a place to do jujitsu i never thought about hr about things that's pretty remarkable and thank you for doing it. and like i mentioned uh, a little bit before we went on air, which was so much of the time, it feels like we're sending out a very similar message. And Kevin and I are communication guys. So we're heavy in the, the way that people are messaging this. And for me, I think it's really important that we always put the emphasis on how do we improve things? How do we become better? And I feel like there's been more communication as to I don't feel this is good. I feel this is bad. And that has its place. But I feel like if we continue to turn a blind eye to it or we don't give it the attention that we need to respectfully give the issue, I feel like we're going to repeat some of those problems that we've seen come up and get dusted underneath the rug. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what it really needs in this movement is for people to have a lot of optimism and also a lot of energy. And, you know, I have so many people who have been so great and been writing in with, you know, their thoughts and opinions. And it's very clear to me that a lot of the people who have been in jujitsu for a really long time, they feel really jaded. And they're really tired. I mean, a lot of the questions are like, oh, how can we even change this? What could be different? And I would hope with, you know, some of the first actions that we're starting to see, um, whether it's by fight sports or by uh, Checkmat and Shoyer or reacting to, say, Jackson Sutha, that people are prepared to make a change now. But I think that people have to stay 
optimistic about it. And, you know, when I look at every industry, right, like whether it's with, you know, cell phones and Apple coming in saying, hey, we can do things differently. And here's a smartphone that does everything. It really requires someone in this industry to be an antagonist, to start questioning, like, why is it that we do these things? And to me, like, I think this person has to be reasonably objective. They have to be reasonably unjaded and have to have the energy to go about it. And I thought that this was something that I was able to bring to the table, um, mostly because my background is in startups. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm also, I'm, I'm not a black belt. I don't have, you know, I'm not going to have, um, I don't have some of the like jujitsu politics marring me. It was just very clear to me that, you know, there is a lot that gyms could change about the way that they're being run. And I really think we have the opportunity to do that, especially because, the dynamics of industry are changing, but also, you know, people can vote with their wallets. If your gym is not providing to you the standards that you think you should be receiving, then you can just leave. And I really want to make that very clear for everyone that, you know, they each, every single person can influence their own community with their voice and also with their wallet. You are alluding to some background in this, and I thought one of the powerful things about the video that you, that you posted on Instagram, one of the most recent ones, was talking about how you weren't really approaching this from a BJJ perspective. And most of us aren't black belts, nor does it seemingly like we will become them if our current eating habits continue. <laughs> but when you talk about trying to get the community aware, you're talking about a term we've seen in other places called trauma illiterate. Do you mind expanding on what that is and, and kind of maybe how it applies to our to the jujitsu crowd? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm probably not the best person and who's the most versed, but, you know, I would say that um, many of the ways that we teach jujitsu now is very much in a sport jujitsu manner. Um, and I think many of the people who, you know, go to study martial arts, uh, that can especially be um, a, a trauma uh, more trauma sensitive teaching and martial arts especially can be very powerful as a way of you know healing that contact um but I, I would say that you know for a lot of the people who do start to have their own gyms um they go into it with a sense of like entrepreneurship but also with a big financial incentive so I think the thinking process is often like hey I'm a black belt or you know an advanced belt there's no jujitsu club within my local community. I'm reasonably good at teaching jujitsu, so I should start a, my own club. And there's less of a thought in like, what does it really mean to be a gym owner? What is the culture that I want to have at this gym? What does this community look and feel like? And what can I do to make sure that this community is safe? Of which I think trauma is a huge part of that. Um, and another part of this is really around welfare, right? And I would say that, you know, what's come clear to me is that in a lot of other martial arts, for example, in British judo, um, they have a non-head instructor who has to be mandated as the welfare officer that people report into if they have any sort of, you know, issues like sexual harassment, sexual assault, anything to do with kids. But in jujitsu, all of these roles are really, you know, combined within each other. And so there's a huge conflict of interest. And so what we have in the end is essentially like, you know, instructors who are very good at jujitsu, but, you know, have more or less a complete lack of awareness of trauma, of sexual harassment, of sexual assault. And they may have been brought up in gyms where um, a lot of like, you know, misogyny and like this sort of language, which was very um, anti, you know, particular minorities has been very accepted as the norm. And I think, you know, it, 
it really takes one person to make this break um, and to say like, actually, this is not the culture that we want. Um, I always think about startups as creating your own paradise. And whenever you know you get to start something new, whether that's a new family or whether it's a new company, you get to look at everything you've ever been in before and say, that was bad, right? That had too much politics, that had too much FaceTime. I never want to do it like that again. And you get to create this new version of your paradise of what that should look and feel like. Um, but I think a lot more people who create like businesses spend time thinking about culture and community. And I would say if there's anything that anyone could take away from this podcast, I would really ask people to think about, you know, before starting your own new thing, whether it's a jujitsu gym or anything else, think about what that culture looks and feels like, because you as the gym leader, you get the chance to like disseminate this culture onto every single community and, you know, student and member and kid. And that becomes a hugely important and powerful part of their life. But essentially, you have to act up to the role of the black belt. And what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months is that, you know, being a black belt doesn't mean that you're a good human. It just means that you're reasonably good at jujitsu. Amen. And as you're starting to embark on trying to re-educate, how do you boil it down to other gyms? Because even mentioning... That's not something I've ever heard before. What you just said about a safety officer, and I might be <laughs> Raph. I'm not Raph. Have you heard of safety officers at gyms? Nope, and and not in a jujitsu context for sure. So it is cool to have. How many gyms have we trained at in the United States? Oh, I'm not even <laughs> familiar with the concept. <laughs> I think it's because you and I have steered away from judo as much as possible because we value our backs fair and fair. You no, know, it's just, it's not going to happen for us. So we respect judo, but that's huge. And that's something that I feel is, um, as you mentioned, Meg, it, it is severely missing in our sport. Um, Kev, I'm sorry. Were you make, I think you had a question. I did. I got completely lost in my own <laughs> incredulousness. <laughs> I didn't want to jump in front of you. Go ahead. <laughs> I do want to get to what's the response like. You mentioned it at IBJJF, and I mentioned this a little bit, but it was really present to me as I was walking around yesterday. I was in a meta place. You have some teammates, but I was mostly just there to watch and have fun and see jujitsu in, in one of its purest forms and people back to doing it, which they really haven't been able to do. And all I could think was there are so many children women people that are joining for the first time vulnerable communities because word is out about what jiu-jitsu does for you what is the response like for you as you've stepped into a spotlight that at times burns hot and at times really feels good but not always i would say it's been really tough um i i just you know i think it has blown up quite a lot from i woke up one day just having some couple of thoughts that I wanted to share with the world. And I would say now, like every time I open my inbox, um, there's pretty much at least one message um, from someone who feels and has been violated uh, by often someone who is considered a hero of our sport. Um, and often they just want to feel heard and validated in the experience, which I try to create a space for. Um, but that wasn't like necessarily my intention in going out with this. Um, I think that, you know, I'm really like a student of organizational culture. To me, you know, it's very clear that what was the issue at, in jujitsu is really 
this you know very strongly male dominant power dynamic which didn't really allow for a role or a voice or other leadership to come from other groups like women or other minorities and as a result this created a breeding ground for sexual harassment and sexual violence um i but now i you know i've spoken to so many women from all over the world and there's all these like you know such interesting dynamics within every single part right like it's clear to me that um in particular parts of europe where you know certain affiliations um are you know more have more power um and where certain characters have been allowed to kind of essentially prey on women unchecked like when a voice you know of a white belt girl speaks up in germany that might not be heard by an affiliation hq and that's incredibly sad that you know even when people are speaking out with issues that these issues are not heard um but i i feel that i feel an immense amount of gratitude towards everyone in the community for finally talking about this but also um i think there's a lot of excitement and a lot of women are coming to me with you know all these great ideas um but i would say that my ask of the whole community is for them to all speak up like i can't be the conduit i'm one person and it really takes all of us working together rather than everyone asking me to do something on their behalf <laughs> it it does become a lot because then you take on a lot of that uh it's not a burden but it's like a lot of empathy that you end up having it's a lot of listening and these stories can be so just aggravating depressing um you know these things take tolls just hearing it. I, I know multiple people with the article that Avery just put out uh, this week said that they had to take a break in reading it. And I get that and I understand that. And I know that's just an example of one or two cases where I think more and more people are starting to feel like they can share these things, especially because they felt like in the past everybody would sweep it under the rug. And I would argue that, you know, you're saying you're just a blue belt. But here's the nice part. You're a blue belt with perspective and you kind of alluded to the fact that you aren't necessarily jaded by the politics. But I think that's a good thing because in the past we've had people who have just gone, well, that's how it goes. And having that outsider perspective allows us to have a refreshing reminder that, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. In that same essence, there have been articles written about trauma illiteracy. Do you feel that that is something that pertains to us in jiu-jitsu? And, and if so, why? Uh, I, I think that trauma is one part of it. Um, I think that there are steps before the trauma. And so I, I think that uh, to me, when I think about trauma, it's really about the way that we can teach to be more, much more trauma literate so that you know, jiu-jitsu is much more acceptable for more people um but even though you can be taught to being trauma literate I, I think there's an assumption there that you would also be versed in against you know in sexual harassment and also in sexual assault but to me this question comes a little bit earlier than that and really you know goes into the fundamental foundations of who is the person who's running the gym what does that leadership look like and what does the culture of that gym look like like if everyone in the gym is, you know, say trauma certified, but 
you know, the main gym owner is still like making sexist jokes and still somewhat of misogynist. I think that's only going to go so far. So I, I think it really comes down to like, why are people opening gyms? And especially, you know, if a large affiliation, you know, like Fight Sports is just adding people on and importing black belts in from Brazil. Like, what does that onboarding process look like? Like when you're a part of a new Gracie Baja gym or a new Checkmat gym, what, you know, onboarding procedures has that been a part of that, right? And I think when you look at other businesses, you know, let's say a new Starbucks opens, you expect a certain standard or I guess like, well, it depends on what your view on Starbucks is. Um, but <laughs> But you expect that to have, you know, certain procedures, the toilets look a certain way, you know, the barista will operate in a certain way. But that standard doesn't exist in jujitsu. So often the affiliation has very minimal onboarding process. But, you know, you understand that this is now like a Gracie Baja gym or whatever. And I think the affiliations can do a lot more here um, in terms of the quality and the standardization. And then I would think of the trauma as like an added on top in order to make this really comfortable for everyone. Um, but I would say that there's a lot of steps that we have to do before even the trauma stuff. Um, I would also say that like, I think especially in the last couple of weeks, my I shared with my head professor, Marilla Santana, that my relationship with jujitsu, I thought it was changing um, because of all the stories that I've been hearing. And I told him that I felt, you know, physically tired and emotionally depleted about it. And he shared with me something that I thought was really beautiful. And he said, jujitsu is not what's upsetting you. It's these bad people using jujitsu to prey on people. And the jujitsu community is not jujitsu either. And jujitsu is what we do at Unity. It's our art. And it's not jujitsu's fault. It's people's fault. Um, and I think that jujitsu is why we're still here and having this conversation, right? Like the reason why I'm optimistic and not Jade and I want to change is because I love jujitsu and I think we all do. And that's why I hope that everyone does speak up because we all love this sport. Um, but I do think that people need to consider like their real reasons for why do they want to start a gym? Why do they want to become an instructor? And what does it mean to be a black belt? And, and these are the questions that we have to fundamentally, you know, force scout gyms to really think about um, before, you know, we trust them with ourselves and, the, you know, our community. I think that's beautifully said. And please pass on that. I think that's a, a great sentiment. And I feel like everybody here has a different way in which they fight for what they love. So I think that that's why we see so many of the guys get so defensive in their posts where they're like, if anybody did this around me, I'll let you know, you know, that's them speaking out in what they think is right. Um, but I feel like so much more of the conversation needs to include uh, discussions like this that also go a little bit more into asking, like you're saying, why are you opening a gym and what are you going to tolerate and how do you start those procedures? One suggestion that you made was for, I believe it was sexual harassment training. Now, myself, Kevin, we work in different businesses where that's a given. And when you said that, it makes sense to me. There is a culture of people who do jujitsu and go into having gyms because in some cases, not all, they don't want to do the typical nine to five. That seems to segue into getting more into a little bit more of a regimented version of that. Can you explain why you feel that would be necessary and, and maybe appeal to those people who would normally be on the fence or just be like, I don't know that I really feel I have to do that. 
Yeah, I I think uh, this is a really interesting question, right? I think in any industry when it first starts, right, it's very unregulated. Like everyone essentially does whatever they want, and at some point you run into problems.、Um, there can be all sorts of problems. In this case, you know, we have massive issues with grooming, harassment, you know, assault, and so because there are problems, we need to find solutions for them.、Um, to me, I think that there are solutions we can do which are very like problem. Um, solution based, so it's like you know, if this happens, do we go to do legal action or something? But that's after the action happens, and then we have to also look at solutions which stop the action from actually happening. And to me, like something like sexual harassment training is like the very, very bare bones of creating an acceptability in the industry. And I would ask that these people who you know are maybe. Still more away from nine to fives. Do not think about it as you know necessarily process or regulation, but more like you know the fundamental you know techniques that a white belt would need in starting a business. And I, the way I would think about jujitsu is like I think we have like some flashy techniques, but a lot of like the fundamental、mm-hmm. techs that like you know even white belts and blue belts that we would expect them to know in business that is a part of what is fundamentally missing because the safety standards aren't really there for the industry, and I think that I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and so you know when people haven't come out with like a zero tolerance policy, I think often it's because people actually think oh there's no need for me to come out with this because clearly I don't condone this clearly I think this is bad, and I also see a lot of the like the very violent reactions like you know if this happens. That I'm gonna mess this person up. It's just because this is what, like, you know, we're fighters, right? Like, that's our first instinct. That's fight or、um, flight.、Um, and I think that there's a big evolution here in that, like, how do we turn these people whose first instinct is to like fight? Um, and who don't think standards are necessary into being responsible business owners because that's ultimately what we need from a gym. And I think a, a good question here is like when I look at really successful gyms, like I think Art of Jujitsu is a really great one. It's when world class grapplers have combined together with world class business people to create. World class gyms, and I think that's a really beautiful model because you know I think a lot of jujitsu people don't really like to do the finance, the admin, the taxes, etc. And that's a big part of like you know owning a gym and a business. Okay, black belt in business. Got it. Okay, I just want to make sure that people understand that these things are solutions and and. Seeking towards solutions, so yeah, you might just be a blue belt in jujitsu, but a lot of these things make sense to me. They're practical,、um, and I think the issue that we've run into in so many instances is is when people seem to say, "I'm not that person. I wouldn't do that," and lo and behold, there there are those cases, and we do hear people who are are speaking out. And there is a study. I, I know the one that came out last year. Shut up and train. It had sixteen hundred respondents, four hundred of which were women, and one in four of those women said that they experienced some kind of sexual assault or harassment. And if that doesn't raise some flags in terms of maybe our perceptions aren't matching up with reality, at the very least, they should perk us up a little bit more toward paying attention into how we can do、uh, things that prevent it or make sure that our gyms are safe. So. That's that's my push in in agreement to what you were suggesting out there because yeah when I I, re- I saw and I read、uh, your thing because thank you 
for both putting up the words and saying it out loud because you know sometimes when you have it on mute and you just go oh well i can <laughs> read it too oh okay excellent thank you yeah i i'm really happy people like them but i mean my base assumption is i think people are really lazy so you have to present in a pretty entertaining format i was trying to get um Erin and I, we did all these spoofs and outtakes. I was like, you have to jump into the frame because otherwise people won't pay attention. This is a really important <laughs> message. Yeah, um, It's true. And honestly, like, you know, it's it's almost that TikTok, uh, Instagram reels, they have a certain style of social media that I think I'm savvy with a number of things, but I, I don't even think I can produce that sort of stuff. And yet there, I think there is a reason there has been an, a very good response to what you have put out so far do you plan to put out more where where is this falling in your line of now advocacy or at least for uh this particular issue or maybe others yeah so i think uh the next video i'm putting out i think it'll be later on today uh is really about resolving conflict um and so one of the things i see is especially if you there's only one person in the gym who's the co the Maybe the gym owner is also the head instructor and it's the only person who could do anything about a particular issue. A lot of people won't say something because they're nervous about conflict. And I think if we are, you know, primarily if we're learning how to fight, we're less good at maybe fighting with our words. So it's um, a video about how do we talk about conflict in a way that doesn't let us engage in conflict, which I hope will help people support, you know, their friends who are coming forward or to raise issues in a way where they don't feel like they're going to be forced to shut up. Um, I think my current idea, and this is the first time I've really spoken about this in public, is I would love for there to be an association of like really reputable black belts who are all working towards, you know, advocacy and against sexual violence in jujitsu. Um, and then, you know, we create a set of, you know, really lightish standards, um, lightish by like not a huge amount of process, but essentially just a checklist that all gyms can go through. And that can essentially be some sort of like Michelin star guide rating for gyms to subscribe to. Um, but I think currently, if you look online and especially, you know, in the search engine optimization of jujitsu results, it's really, really dominated by BJJ fanatics and other instructionals. There's really very little literature online about, you know, how do you start a gym? How does that work? What standards do we have? And I think if we create a small amount of content, but be very SEO savvy about it, that can then become the standards that dictates the whole industry. But I think that it, the difficult part is no one really wants to be the nonprofit body which governs jujitsu. So it's really about standards that everyone has to ascribe into. And you're hitting on some big components, but I want to take a moment to talk about even using fight sports as an example. So maybe a, a scotch more systemic. Right. With a startup and with some of the the more narrow features, it's it's definitely important to at least have some outlets. But when you are reporting it and you feel like something's happening and then it's it's not. And I kind of want to get into your history here, because you mentioned working with Ellen Powell, people that have a lot of experience in maybe taking it to the next level, which is not just the good faith reporting and understanding and the gym owner even taking accountability, but when we realize we have something systemic that needs to be attended to, if that very large question I just asked makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my first job out of college was at Goldman Sachs. Um, Heard I of think, them? Damn. Yeah. Okay. 
so I think <laughs> in my whole team, I was in the investment banking division. Maybe we had like eight, 80 people uh, in my class and of which I would say about four or five were female of which uh, I am Asian and female and I'm also queer. So I, I you know, take a lot of boxes for a lot of people. So I'm like a really good hire because uh, I, you know, they don't have to hire other people. <laughs> I, and if you've anyway, seen her videos, yeah. she's just amazing at explaining things. There's a lot of boxes uh, checked. Yeah. Um, and then after Goldman, I went to work in Silicon Valley, which again is very male dominated, a lot of engineers, et cetera. But one of the women I got very close to who is also an investor in my company, her name is Ellen Powell. And she, um, she uh, sued her old employer, Kleiner Perkins, for gender discrimination, which is not, you know, it's not sexual violence, but the dynamics are very similar, which is it's a very male dominated industry. It's easy for female voices to be negated. And, you know, when you're getting paid uh, a salary or bonus, which is a minuscule amount to what your male counterparts are doing, then, you know, how do you make your voice heard? And I think that her lawsuit, it, it didn't um, win, but it raised a lot of really important questions. And I think, you know, now more than ever before um, in Silicon Valley, in venture capital, you know, I think people really understand the importance of having female representation on boards, uh, minority representation. But even so, I would say in the US, about 2% of all venture capital goes to women. Um, I would say, you know, an even smaller amount of that goes to people who are LGBTQ+. Um, so I've raised over close to $15 million for my company. Um, but I think I never really understood how difficult that was until I looked at the statistics for it. And so now what we see in jujitsu is that, you know, I think there's low hundreds, probably 200, 300 female black belts in the U.S., that's more than there has been ever before, right? But if you think about, you know, maybe 10 years ago when there was just a handful of female black belts, how could you possibly speak up about anything? Because that was also before YouTube even existed, right? Like if you were kicked out of the club, that was a final saying, you were just kicked out of the club. You, you probably weren't allowed to train. So I think the, the politics then were a lot more delicate. And so it's really only been in the last like year or two really where people have been even able to come forwards. And often I see another problem, which is that a lot of people think that female black belts are able to do something because they're black belt, but often, you know, because of a lot of heavy politics, um, I think black belts are really, it's really tough for them to do anything um, because they have a lot of, you know, status and social standing that they need to kind of keep with their teams, et cetera. And that's why I think it's so important that if you see something that's wrong or that you, you know, even if you have a, you feel like that feels wrong to my gut instinct and you want to speak up, it's so important that everyone speaks up, whether you're a white belt or you're a blue belt. Maybe everyone else has, you know, been seeing the same thing that maybe one person's been, you know, committing the same sort of harassment. It's ongoing thing as a pattern. Maybe everyone else is scared, but someone really has to take that first step forwards. And I think um, due to my experience in other industries, um, I'm not scared anymore. And I think I'm maybe better with my words than some other people in jujitsu who prefer to fight it out on the mats. And I think I'm good at fighting with words. And that's why I decided to talk, speak up. Well, we share that in the sense that people tell me I talk better than I pass. So I've used and that. And that's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I'm complimented by it, but I also usually talk trash to people in order to be better at jujitsu. And it is surprisingly effective for me. I would not suggest it for everybody else. But Meg, this is such a great conversation out of such a bad thing. And I think it's so wonderful to watch people like you who I know feel a little bit of blue belt syndrome because we like to make fun of blue belts, but it's so impressive to see how you are giving us the experiences and the things that you have learned from your outside of jujitsu life and brought them into it. And at the very least offered them as solutions. It does not mean everybody will want to do it at first. It does not mean that everybody will take that advice, but in a, echo chamber full of people who just say that's bad i think okay what's missing what can we contribute what can we say that's better than just it's bad because i think so many people when they read it they just feel they feel helpless when they read those articles and i know from my own experiences when i read them it's just your your whole body it it goes numb it feels gross it's just angry to read some of these stories and you empathize with the, the the victims and and you definitely want them and survivors, we should say. But I just want to thank you for coming forward and, and doing that sort of a thing. I would love to invite you to come on the show at a later time because it seems like you clearly know how to make jujitsu cross applicable to multiple versions of things. When you say that you brought 15 million into your business, you have effectively outraised all of the money for all of jujitsu. Ever. So ever, ever in the history. We counted the numbers. It's it's every cent of jujitsu I think that's ever been used. Well, I I, don't know, I always feel like um, Guy Mendes does a great job. So that gym is beautiful. It's just lovely yeah. looking. I've heard the training's excellent. It's fair. Um, but, yeah, that's very kind. But you know, I really it's like everyone who messaged me. I'm like, I I would do this anytime. It just seems so obvious. Um, if there's one thing I, I'd love for everyone to kind of take away, there's like one thing that I'm working on at the moment, which I'll hopefully come out with in the next couple of weeks. It's uh, an anonymous engagement survey. Um, so I think that one thing that's really missing from all gyms is some sort of objective measure of like, how are we doing right now? Like, where are we? And so in, in many businesses, you do this anonymous engagement survey where you just get sent a survey and it's like, has anyone helped you uh, in the last three months? You know, um, how, how close do you feel to your teachers, etc. And I think this is like a great way of just seeing like, where are you in the gyms? Like, how do your students feel? And people should run it on like a regular basis. Um, but I, I have a lot of different ideas. Eventually I'll put them all together in one place, but I'm still working on it. Well, thank you because I feel like the easier we make it for gyms to see the example of it, uh, the closer we come to that integration of, okay, here's some ideas. Um, I just know so many people who own gyms and they almost feel like in certain ways they don't want to discuss it. But Kevin on the last show was talking about how the head of his school made it a point to talk about it right up front of one of his classes. And that's how I remarked to Kevin. I was like, well, that's how you know you're at a good place. Like that, that's a huge thing to get that expression from the leader of your gym. So it does show that people are listening. They are trying to be better. 
and they are trying to be receptive towards uh, the needs of more than just sometimes themselves or just from people out there who are are seemingly uh, needing those voices and maybe so sometimes silently. So I, I just can't thank you enough for being part of the conversation. Uh, Meg, if people are looking to follow your wonderful Instagram reels and your stories, because I also saw some great IBJJF clips over the past week from you, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at meg.he. Uh, so M-E-G dot H-E. Uh, I want to keep on producing content. Um, I have been to get a lot of other people involved. Um, I, a lot of our friends in Brazil uh, are really speaking out about it. The crazy thing is it's like a whole different environment in Brazil. It's probably like an even bigger issue there. Um, but one of our friends is uh, Bia Basilio. And she messaged me and she was like, I've never even thought about right, you know, talking about this, but obviously I should be talking about it. And, you know, in the space of a week, she's come out with all of these videos, like she's running a whole platform against sexual violence. It's just really incredible. And I would say that, you know, I love being um, in organizational culture. It's called the deviant, but basically the person who like just provokes people. But I love that so many people are, you know, catalyzing this conversation and they have much more important platforms and a much bigger voice than I could ever have. But I think each of our roles is really to just, you know, poke and prod someone else into action. And hopefully by, you know, this kind of one domino effect throughout the universe, that's how we can get something done. Cool. Uh, Kev, did she just become the CEO of Verbal Tap 2 in this conversation? I actually do. Yeah, there was a moment <laughs> where I was like, should I submit my resume just proactively <laughs> when she takes over jujitsu? Quick, not just pure jujitsu question. What's your go-to gi brand recommendation? Oh, boy. Um, oh, I'm conflicted. I wear a lot of Hyperfly, but I also love Vanguard kimonos. Uh, it's like a more niche brand that, like the i can't the fabrics the uh, like it has this little waistband but it's um the tie is done on the inside it never ever goes loose because it has an elasticated waistband it's just really really phenomenal but it's very very niche um it's a little bit more on the expensive side and things are more cut to measure but i've never seen anything like it in the jujitsu world this looks like a jean jacket kimono i've never yeah, cool. either i'm at vanguardkimono.com not a sponsor and yeah. I am impressed. Okay, as a Hyperfly user, thank you. I'll I'll throw this in. That was it for me, Rev. No, I mean that's great. And if they're not a sponsor, maybe. <laughs> you're talking to the yeah, kings of denim here. <laughs> <laughs> I work for a guy who wears a lot of denim. I'll just leave it at that. Um, Meg, this is great. Thank you so much for providing even more discussion on a topic that. Um, I think people sometimes want to be done with, but I think that we should be finding new ways to uh, continue the discussion and, and do it in, like you said, a positive way. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm thrilled that you are picking up this conversation. It means so much. Please note, the new number is...